0: I appreciate the Spirit of God that is here tonight, and I'm thankful, as I say often, to be in grace. I'm thankful for the concept and the, the idea of God's grace, but I'm also thankful for this church called grace. It is good to be in grace tonight, praise God. And I'm glad that uh, we're in a place that uh, when we come to church, we come to church to have church. And, uh, you know, it, it, I've noticed around here, it doesn't matter if it's Wednesday night, it doesn't matter if it's Sunday morning, it doesn't matter, we've had church on Thursday night and Tuesday night and all kinds of different times, we, but when we come, we come expecting the move of God, and I appreciate that about our church, and that's how I've come tonight. I've come expecting something from God, and I know, uh, you know, on Wednesday nights, we never know what's going to happen. Sometimes we have Bible study, sometimes we have church, but... Tonight, I, I feel just something in my heart and in my soul that says I want to leave differently than, than the way I came. And, uh, you know, Jacob said, he said, surely the presence of the Lord was in this place, and I knew it not. And I don't want that to ever be said of us as a church, as a, as a group of worshipers, that ever we had an opportunity to be in the presence of God and, and somehow missed it. I want to be in tune and in touch with God's Spirit. You may be seated tonight. And uh, just so glad to have everybody here, so thankful you're here. To all of our guests, you are very welcome, glad you were here. I'm so happy tonight that my friend uh, Cassidy Sanders is here tonight. So good to see you. Uh, we worked together for many years, uh, and it's good to see her tonight with Ethel. So glad she could come. All of our guests, you are welcome, as always, at our, uh, at our fellowship and at our church, and we're glad you're here. We have just a number of people tonight that the, the sickness is just, uh, we just can't quite shake This bug and uh, these things that are going around. So we have a number of people out tonight uh, with that. So just help, let's pray. Let's just pray for our church family, pray for our our friends and our loved ones. Um, I know my wife uh, was up most of the night with with Elena. It seems like if there's anything that can be caught in the line of, of a bug or a sickness, Elena will catch it. She'll figure out a way to just grab that and 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 work that into her system there, and uh, she's got some, I, you know, I've heard, my mom always used to say, you know, it sounds like so-and-so has the croup, and uh, I, did, I never knew what that was, or that such a thing really actually existed, but uh, Elena has been diagnosed with the croup, and uh, they've given her some medicine for that, and I pray she'll be, quickly uh, recovered, but I know there are there are others tonight, too, that are sick, and we, we pray a speedy recovery and that God would touch them. I want to just say publicly I, that I appreciate and thank uh, Brother Murphy for this opportunity tonight to, to bring the Word of God to you. Uh, it's always, always an honor uh, to stand here and to, to bring the bread of life, and um, it's something that uh, increasingly with, uh, as I get older, I guess, uh, I... I uh, I take more and more seriously. Not that I ever approached it in a non-serious manner, but the older I get, I realize how uh, incredibly important the preached word of God is in our lives. The Bible still says that without, or that God chose the foolishness of preaching to save those, uh, and that how how in another place He says, "How shall they hear unless they they be told?" So there is a there is a dynamic there about the preached word of God that is so important to our to our lives, and uh, it's with great honor, but also great uh, sensing the weightiness of of my assignment tonight that I I approach this, and just uh, very humbled at the opportunity to be here, and I I appreciate brother and sister Murphy so much, and I know each one of you do as well, our pastor, our pastor's wife, just incredible people, amazing people, and I uh, had had prayed for for a long, long time, I I just really was at the point in my life where I I needed somebody in my life, a a man of God in my life uh, to mentor me that that I could be close to that uh, that uh, was wiser than me, more experienced than I, and and uh, God put me and and put uh, Brother Murphy in uh, in our life and and just uh, connected us and and it's something that I reap the benefits of every single day and I appreciate Him so very much. I want to uh, speak to you for a few moments tonight, and um, you know, uh, God sometimes. Uh, you know, as as ministers, as as preachers, we um, you know, sometimes God just kinda uh gives us an assignment that that is a little different than what we would have chosen to to assign. I don't want anybody to get scared or anything like that. I'm not I'm not planning on doing a two hour study on prophecy or anything like that. But um I, I thought when Brother Murphy asked me to preach that I would I was mentioning this to Brother Merrill that I would uh that I would just kinda do a, a Bible study and give us a little kind of just a just a moment to Just kind of have a little pep talk and and maybe just do something short and sweet and this may turn out to be short and sweet but it it won't be by design God just really got a hold of my heart uh, in the last several days and really um, just really really um, just put something in my life that I feel compelled to share that I believe is very very important and I pray that you will receive it tonight and uh, let it bless you as it has challenged and blessed me uh, the, the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 1, and I'm not sure if our multimedia system is working tonight. I have a screen in the back. I don't think that you have a screen in the front. That's okay. Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, this is Paul writing, and he says, uh, or at least I believe it's Paul. There is some debate over the author of Hebrews. I believe it was Paul. He says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us... Lay aside every weight. Everybody say, Lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I'd like to speak just for a few moments and, and call this by the title Lose Some Weight. Lose some weight. And Of course, we know that uh, I am speaking in in metaphorical terms here, in spiritual terms, uh, but lose some weight. He spent the regular season this year on Major League Baseball's disabled list, not once, not twice, but three times. He lost his starting job as shortstop because of that, and as recently as five weeks ago, he contemplated leaving the game at a very young 35 years old. He drew unanimous, if unflattering, assessment from all of the talent scouts that said just basically, he doesn't have it anymore. Yet on this past Monday night at 8.44 p.m. local time, Edgar Rentiera looked at his teammate in the dugout and said, I'm going to hit the ball into deep left. He then walked to the plate, cranked out a home run, placing it exactly where he said he would and then secured his place in the history books by winning the World Series for the San Francisco Giants and he was also voted the Series MVP. You see, Edgar Renteria knew something about laying aside distractions. He knew something about laying aside the weights, the the things that could potentially cause him to lose his focus. He understood that if, if, if you can turn a deaf ear to the naysayers and if you can singularly focus on a goal, that great potential lies in that focus. Edgar Renteria didn't let the naysayers distract him. He didn't let past failures and injuries stop him. But instead, he focused on winning the game and in so doing, he won a championship and will forever be a part of the baseball history. I've come to ask us tonight that what could God do if we were willing to focus even more on Him? What if we were willing to lay aside the things that nag at us and chip away at our spirituality and instead had a singular focus and a singular purpose of pursuing divine anointing? I realize tonight that I'm talking to people of great faith, I'm talking to men and women of God collectively we as a church have just come off of three weeks of prayer and fasting and you've given much to the kingdom to get it where and to this church in particular to get it where it is tonight you've given of yourself your finances your energy your time your effort but I want to challenge us tonight that we cannot stop here Uh, we uh, I feel in the spirit tonight that we have not reached our destination rather we have only just begun the journey I believe that in recent weeks, we have caught a vision of, of what can be and what, in fact, very soon will be in the Spirit. But tonight, I believe that in order to get from, from here to there and to take the next step, to get to the next place, that we must understand that, that with our great dreams comes a great responsibility. And with increased power comes increased responsibility. And great spirituality requires greater commitment. The destiny that God has for each of us requires a greater commitment. Consecration. If we are, or if we are at to adequately prepare for the future, then we must become more focused and lose some of the baggage that is so easily attaches itself to us. Can somebody say amen? There is no question tonight of our commitment as a church. We wouldn't be where we are tonight without our commitment. We would not be here tonight without our great faith. We would not be here tonight if we had not sacrificed and given something. ...of ourselves to God. I, I'm not here to question tonight that commitment or our desire. I'm not even questioning our vision. But I'm simply here to challenge us that, that there is more that we can do. There is more that we can give. And in order to get there, in order to, to, in order to get from, from the now to the what could be... ...to realize our destiny that there is, there is an incumbent upon us to take assessment... ...and to take a, take a good long look at where we are... ...and to realize that there are things that distract us, there are things that chip away at us, there are cares of life that, that just tend to rob us of our destiny and rob us of our vision. It is time tonight to lay those aside. It is time to get a singular focus. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that we're all passionate about something in our life. All of us have passions. We are not passionate people. Uh, somebody said very uh, very wisely Here just the other day that if if the building were on fire or or somebody snatched your child, that you would very quickly become passionate about the issue. You'd be very passionate in that moment. We all have passions. The question is, is what are we going to be passionate about and sometimes I know in my own life it's very easy to, to, to come into his service or, or to have time in the presence of God and, and get very passionate about what God is doing and to, to really focus in and hear the call and hear and get under the, the uh, burden of what God is wanting to do. But, but it just takes a few days, sometimes only a few hours, and the, the grind of the, of the work day and the, the cares of, of taking care of the family and, and, and all of the things that we do to go about our life. It, it's, it's in this day and in this society, it is so much that it's easy to turn our passions to other things and to be distracted, not necessarily things that are sinful or wrong, not necessarily things that, that are, are, are going to cause us to miss heaven, but, but things that could, could rob us of what God ultimately wants to do, of, uh, could cheat us out of, of having a complete and total destiny that God wants for us. Tonight, I want to call your uh, attention to a couple of... Uh, important passages of scripture, some things that really jumped out of me and I want to take you for just the next few moments through a progression in the book of 2nd uh, of, uh, of, uh, Chronicles that, that, uh, that just is tremendous illustration of how we can take care of these things and how we can realign our priorities in the spirit. The book of 2nd Chronicles chapter 39 outlines an incredible story uh, about the king Hezekiah. Now Just to give you a little background on Hezekiah, Hezekiah had a father who was named Ahaz, and Ahaz was one of those kings in the history of Israel that was very, very evil and and wicked in the sight of God, and he caused the the children of Israel to sin greatly by turning them to Baal worship and turning them against the one true God, and and caused them just to go into a a, a complete spiritual backsliding situation. And so it was that uh, after Ahaz died, the kingdom went to his son Hezekiah, and it was, it was in this, this uh, context that Hezekiah uh, inherited a, a, a temple of God, a, a house of God that was in a very bad state of disrepair. The Bible says that the doors had been shut tight, uh, indicating that no one had even gone in uh, to the house of God for years, let alone spent some time worshiping there. The scripture even points out that, that the, that the uh, temple was filled with rubbish, with trash, uh, Debris had been allowed to accumulate in the holy place. Uh, the offerings of incense and the burnt offerings had ceased. Yet in verse 10 of chapter 29, the scripture says that Hezekiah purposed in his heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel. And that's very important tonight because Hezekiah was, was demonstrating that the, the, the first way to, to, to clean uh, to clean up and to, to clean out and to get in a right spiritual standing is that, that we, it has to start in our heart. It has to begin uh, down deep on the inside with an attitude and with a posturing that, that we are going to make a covenant with God. We are going to set things right between us and God. And so uh, uh, with great preparation, uh, Hezekiah went about preparing the house of God and repairing the house of God. He, he turned the people back to God and they, they experienced a great revival. But I want to take you through kind of the progression. After, after Hezekiah consecrated in his heart and, 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 and made, made up his mind what he was going to do and that, that it was time to turn back to God with repentance, I want, I want to show you the process that he did. The first thing he did in verse 3, the Bible says that Hezekiah opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Now, to me, when I think about an open door policy, or when I think about the doors opening, I just kind of think about that. Uh, that means that guests are welcome. That means that that somebody is welcome into my home. If I open my door and I say, "Come on in," that means you're welcome. I want you there. And and tonight, I'm not speaking of of uh, of our physical. Uh, building of the church building but I'm talking about our lives I'm talking about the the temple that is our our bodies our lives are the temple of God it is time as as a church and we must make very careful effort and make very careful notice that it is time for us to open ourselves to the moving of God's Spirit in our lives. It is time for us to understand that God wants to utilize us. He wants to move through us. He wants us to be His instrument. He wants us to be His vessel at all times, not just here at church when we're worshiping, not just when we're praying with people in the altar, but always, as Pastor has, has mentioned many times, to look for that God moment when you're shopping at Walmart, when you're at the, uh, at the places of merchandise, when you're, when you're just going about your day. You may be at your job, you may be at your school, but there are times where God wants to move on each and every one of us to be that person, that individual that, that can walk into a God moment and that he can use us for his glory. And, and that's really what I believe Hezekiah was saying when he, when he threw open the doors of the temple. He was saying, God, you are welcome here. God, we are gonna be, we're going to be sensitive to what you are doing. We're going to be a part of what you're doing in this place. I heard an illustration once that, that stayed with me for a long time, but the story is told that uh, a little boy... Uh, went out, uh, it was a a snowstorm coming, a a lot of, a, I guess, really a blizzard, not that we really know a whole lot about what that's all about, but he'd asked his mom if he could go down to his friend's house just down the street, and his mom said, sure you can, son, and and so he he bundled up and, and walked down the street, and he began looking for his friend's house, but the problem was as the snow, as the snow uh, began to accumulate and as, as, uh, as, as the, the the blizzard began to blow in, he, he got disoriented. Everything started looking the same. All the houses looked alike, covered in white. You couldn't distinguish the yards and the streets and the sidewalks, and, and he, he got to where he couldn't really even see. And, and before long, the poor little fellow was so disoriented, and, and he, he didn't even know which direction to go in to, to get back to his house. And in, in frustration and fear and, and, and grief, he just kind of stopped and, and he began to cry. He put his little head down and began to cry. And it was in that moment that the, the little boy felt a, a hand on his shoulder... ...and he looked up into the smiling face of his father. And his father reached down, of course, and picked him up and, and brought him home... ...and said, son, you didn't know it, but I was following you the whole time. And, and, and it's that beautiful illustration that I would like to apply to us tonight... ...in the Spirit that God is with us at all times. Whether we sense Him or not, whether we realize it or not... ...whether we're too busy to understand it or not... ...God is with us at all times. And and, and it's incumbent upon us to throw wide the, the, uh, the doors of our heart... ...and to throw, throw wide our understanding and our availability to God... ...to let Him move through us and work through us and use us. We've been pursuing this in our church for the last several months... that. That God uh, wants to 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 have an intimate relationship with us, an encounter is what we're calling it, and and uh and we've been in pursuit of that. And I was so pleased just a few uh, weeks ago. I was standing in my kitchen on a Sunday night. We were just kind of having family time, talking, and the kids were running around, and we were just kind of goofing off a little bit. And just out of nowhere, just all of a sudden, it just felt like God, Brother Merrill, just kind of just showed up and just stood right beside me. I just all of a sudden, just, I wasn't really, unfortunately, wasn't really even thinking about it. I, I should have been, but uh, just all of a sudden, there he was, his presence was there. And I just I just, felt that, just felt that tug and that touch of the Holy Ghost. And it reminded me and I understood that, that God is with us every moment at all times. And we must take time to make ourselves available to him. After Hezekiah opened the doors of the of the temple. He uh, the next thing he did, verse 16, he formally welcomed the presence of God back into his house, into the temple. He uh, he began cleansing the temple by removing all of that debris that was in the temple uh, and all of the debris that was in the court of the uh, of the temple. And this is what I believe God would say to us tonight. This is really what I've come to come to talk about, that that it is time that 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 the, the, the clutter, the, the minutia, the debris, the things that would clutter our lives and distract us from the destiny that we have. It is time as individuals and as a church to, to begin the process of, 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 of disengaging ourselves from that and, and taking our eyes off of the weights and the things that so easily distract us and, and, and sell out completely to the destiny that God has for each and every one of us. In the words of Paul... I read it to you a moment ago. He says, laying aside every weight in the sin that does so easily beset us. Every day that, that we, we begin our day, it begins with a new set of distractions. It begins with, with uh, traffic, and it begins with uh, some guy on the radio or the television telling us what the weather's going to do and what is going to happen that day in the news and and all of these things and these things that just chip away at us and they worry us and they burden us down and we feel like we're compelled to carry them and their weights that attach to us and... And they, they just load us down. And before we know it, we're carrying around things and worries and troubles and concerns. And, and, and it's things that we were never even meant to carry. And, and then the next thing we know, when we come into the house of God, we, we find it hard to raise our hands. We find it hard to lift our faith. We find it hard to, to extend ourselves to come in contact with God because we're so weighted down by these things that, that, that chip away at us. And I want to challenge us tonight in the spirit, just like Hezekiah had to physically Clean the temple, and he had to physically get that debris out of the out of the house of God. We have to keep our temples free of the debris and of the burdens and of the things that that that, tra- that uh, drag us down. Somebody said, I heard a statement recently that's very very powerful. They said simply, they said the the, the thing the temporal things yell at us, while the eternal things only whisper. I think that's a very important point, and it's something that that really underscores what I'm trying to say tonight. The things, the cares of life yell at us every day. They demand our attention. they are neon signs in our lives crying out to us. But the things of the eternal, the things that really matter, sometimes only come to us in a whisper. It's incumbent upon us tonight to drown out the noise of a generation and a culture that is constantly in our face and find time to listen to what matters most. And that's the destiny that God has for it. How do we do that? How do we do that? Moving right along Hezekiah in verse 18 and verse 19, the Bible says this, then they went into Hezekiah the king and said, we have cleansed all of the house of the Lord and the altar of burnt offering with all the vessels thereof and the showbread table and all the vessels thereof. So they, at this point, had cleansed the house. And then verse 19 says, very important, moreover, all the vessels which King Ahaz in his reign did cast away in his transgression have we prepared and sacrificed, and behold, there before the altar of the Lord? What what this really means? Uh, he says, "Moreover, all the vessels which King Ahaz in his reign did cast away, now have been prepared and sanctified." In other words, they had reprioritized what was in the temple. They had they had put things back in their rightful place, and that's really that's really what I'm challenging us tonight: Are our priorities in the right place? You know, we we as I mentioned earlier, we've come from a tremendous, tremendous time of fasting over the last three weeks the Daniels fast. And, and it, it does something spiritually to us as individuals and corporately as a church when we do that. But, but here we are now on Wednesday, three days uh, since Sunday. And are we still focused or are we still, are we still in the, I like to say, are we still in the pocket? Are we still, are we still just in that, in that groove where, where we're flowing with God and, and those things or are we have we already began to slip just a little bit and lose our focus. It's time tonight that we that we take every day and that every moment of every day that we are so focused on keeping our priorities straight. That the things that are important stay important and the things that are not go by the wayside. They restored the things of God to their rightful position and they they put God back where he belonged in their life. And then finally, the the last thing that Hezekiah did in in verse uh, 31, uh, he offered sacrifices for the sin that Israel had committed, the the sins of his father. And then afterwards, the Bible says they worshiped. And I want to point this out to you tonight uh, in verse 31. Hezekiah answered and said, Now you have consecrated yourselves unto the Lord. Come near and bring sacrifices and thank offerings into the house of the Lord. And the congregation brought in sacrifices and thank offerings. And watch this, as many... As were of a free heart, they brought burnt offerings. As many as of, were, a, uh, of, were, were of a free heart, burnt offerings they brought. Once we have consecrated ourselves, once we have freed up the things, the spiritual things, we've freed up, as Brother Merrill preached, now that I think about it, it goes right along with it, didn't think of that before, but once we are freed up in our lives and God is moving and our priorities are straight, then we can bring... The burnt offering. What is the burnt offering? The burnt offering is given above and beyond all of the other offerings. The burnt offering was what they called just a free will offering. This was not a requirement. It was, the other offerings, there was very, very strict guidelines on how they had to be offered, very, very strict on what had to be done. But the burnt offering was over and beyond the other offerings. It was a free will offering. Offering It was given whole, the sacrifice was placed wholly on the altar, it was not diced, it was not cut up, it was not put, uh, it was not, uh, you know, uh, altered in any way, it was simply put as a whole on the altar. When we reach that place in our lives, Grace Church, when we re- reach that place in our lives where we're in focus, where in channel, where we're in channel, uh, we're in communion with God, it is in that place that we can then come and give over and above. That over and above what we normally would give. It's where we can worship him freely in a free life. And we're not not pulled away and pulled aside by those things that so easily beset us. In order to reach that place, in order to get there and to gain that eternal perspective, we must be willing to go above and beyond. We must be willing to do whatever it takes. Yes, we've been filled with the Spirit. Yes, I believe everybody in here lives an overcoming lifestyle. But we must go beyond that and step into the realm of the anointing and into an intimate relationship with Christ. What are the benefits of this kind of lifestyle? What are the benefits of a consecrated life, of a, of a life that is in, in tune and in, in, in congruence with God? Exodus 32, 29, Moses told the people, he said, Consecrate yourselves to the Lord that he may bestow on you a blessing this day. You see, there is a blessing that comes with living ...a consecrated lifestyle. There is a blessing that comes with living a focused lifestyle. And, and I, I think it's not just a, not just a blessing on our, ourselves... ...but it's a blessing on our homes. It's a blessing on our families. It's a, it's a blessing on our church. It's even a blessing on our community. I want to live my life consecrated to God. I want to live sold out to God. I want to I put it all on the table. I want to give it all to God... For a blessing. It's worth everything. It's worth every, every sacrifice. It's worth every consecration. It's worth every free will offering. It's worth everything that I have to do over and above my normal Christian living. To have a blessing on my family. And on my community. And on my home. I want to point out in Isaiah chapter 59, uh, I'm, I'm going to read here. I, w- I wish this could be on the board for you, but understand I'm taking the first verse and I'm taking the fourth verse and I'm kind of putting them together. I'm not, I'm not fashioning my own gospel here, but for the sake of making the point, I'm putting one and four together. The Bible said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. And he says, No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. You see, uh, one of the benefits of, of being consecrated, one of the benefits of, of being sold out to God is that his hand is not going to be short to move in your life his ear is not going to be heavy to hear your needs he's going to be there he's going to be focused on you as you are focused on him but here's the thing where it says in verse 4 he says no one calls for justice no one pleads for truth the problem is is that we've become so distracted by by the bible says here he calls them empty words we become so distracted you know we're we're quick to jump on uh, twitter and see what somebody is posting on twitter we 're quick to, to, to look at the empty words that that is somebody 's facebook status, and we 're quick to download a, a podcast and listen to the talk and the, the, you know they call them sometimes in the media the talking heads and we, we hear all of these words and we hear it all, and the Bible calls it just empty words that doesn 't really have any eternal weight. And in the meantime, we're, we're forgetting that we, it is our job to plead for justice. It is our job to plead for truth. It is our job to cry out for... For, for, for the truth of God's word to be manifested in our communities, in our home, and in our life. And, and so these things then they begin to distract us, they begin to, to nag at us, they begin to pull us back. But, but if we could ever realize that that is just empty words, it's not truth, it's not, it's not the things that really matter, it's not eternal, and, and give ourselves wholly to calling out to God for the cause of truth, to give ourselves wholly to the cause of pleading truth over our families and our homes then God's hand will not be shortened, then his ear will not be heavy, and we will have the move of God in our life that we ask for. I'm, I'm bringing this now to a to a conclusion. I'll take just a few moments to, to do that. I'm going to invite uh, Casey just to come back uh, to the keyboard for just a moment. I'm going to give us a chance to respond here, but, but I want to head that way with this, G.K. Chesterton, Chesterton the, the great theologian of the early 20th century said this, he said, "...the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting, rather it has been found difficult and left untried." And I want to say tonight in my own words that a a life beyond spiritual mediocrity, a life uh, in full destiny, a life in full encounter with God has not been found difficult, it has not been found tried and wanting, rather it has been found difficult." And left untried, there is, there is a, there is a uh, resonating uh, call that we must be willing to sacrifice and be willing to take the initiative and the effort to do what it takes to align ourselves with the destiny that we have been called to. Tonight, in a moment of sober reality, I have to, I have to ask myself, when is the last time that I've, I've felt compelled to, to get on my face and, and pray for truth? When is it the last time that I've I've prayed over my children that, that they would buy the truth and sell it not? Do I do I cry out to God for my family? Uh, do I really pre- plead with Him to help me plant truth in my children in a in a desperate way? Or or or, or am I am I slack? Am I am I distracted? Am I am I am uh, I weighted down with the cares of life? There there's so much pressure from life on our homes and on our families and. Tonight, I, I plead to us that we have to get God back in our homes. We have to get ourselves aligned in our homes. We have to get our families aligned with truth to the place where we buy the truth and we sell it not. We've got to get the truth into our community. We've got to get the, the, the truth of God's word into our world. But, but it's so easy to lose our perspective on the eternal. It's so easy to, to lose sight of what we're really here to do. It's so easy to be weighed down with those things that don't always matter as much as we think they do it's easy to get out of bed late in the night and check the Facebook and see who else is suffering from insomnia but it's not so easy to hit my knees and begin crying out and play, praying a blood covering over my children it's not so easy to to grab myself by the bootstraps and pull myself into a place of communion with God is my personal devotion with God what it needs to be as my is my my personal time with God consistent? Am I am I really focused on what is important? It is said that the average Christian spends 10 minutes a day with God. That comes out to 5 hours a month, 3 days a year, and only 7 months in a lifetime. It's not enough. It's not enough. We're allowing ourselves, I'm afraid, to be distracted. We're allowing ourselves to invest time where where it doesn't It's not going to really matter, and we're letting a relationship with God go by. So tonight, as we stand, is there there anyone tonight with me that would join with me and echo the words of David? David, the great patriarch, the great king of Israel. When he cast, he stood before Israel, and he cast that vision for the very first Solomon's temple. He knew he wouldn't get to build it, but he said this. He said, Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have. And in verse 5, he says to the people, he says, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? I want to make that our prayer tonight. I want to make that the resounding conclusion of this message tonight that we're going to set our affection on the house of the Lord. We're going to set our affection on the kingdom of God. We're going to say a resounding yes to the call of God and to our destiny and to our future. And we're going to do it by consecrating ourselves to God and giving all of ourselves to God and laying aside the distractions. Sunday night, I came here uh, late in the evening to to begin to to seek after God and kind of prepare for tonight. And I told Brother Merrill, I mentioned it earlier, that... uh, I, I was kind of thinking I would just kind of do something, you know we're coming off the fast, had a tremendous service Sunday that I thought we would just kind of have a, a lighter type service tonight and that we would we would just we would just kind of just kind of get together and worship a little bit. But as I began to seek God that I was right here in the sanctuary and before long, God began to deal with me. and I found myself stretched out over the altar over here with God dealing with me in such an intense way. And he said, you know, it was just a few hours that I'd broken the fast. And and I thought I'd I'd really done something and really had it all together spiritually. And God began to deal with me in such an enormous way and said, there's more. There's more than this. There's areas that I want to work on inside of you. There's, There's things that I want to chip away. There's rough edges that need to be smoothed out. There's areas of your life that you still haven't totally surrendered to me. And as he began to, to work on me in that, that arena and that that way, I realized that that it wasn't just for me, but it was a, a message God had tonight for the whole church that, that there's are still areas in our life that God wants to work in. There's still things that he wants us to surrender. There's still things that we need to clean out and clean up in our lives. And so I've asked Casey tonight to sing this song uh, with a special purpose, uh, that, that we can still draw closer to God, if I could just put it that way. We can still... We can still, there's more to Him than we've experienced. There's a deeper relationship with Him that we can have. And so tonight, I'm calling all of the church down. I want you to come with your family. If you're here tonight without your family, that's okay. I want you to come anyway with a friend or come stand by a family. But I I want everybody to come that will. And I want us to, to cry out to God and sing this song as a prayer of consecration, a prayer of dedication that we would draw close to God.